episode 44 of Role Play Grow, the podcast for tabletop entrepreneurs, creators, and fans. I am Courtney Stover of Lighthearted Adventures, and in this podcast, we talk to the creators behind the brands in the tabletop role play gaming space about who they are and how they are turning their passion for gaming into a career. I have another episode featuring some friends of Possum Creek Games today. So to those of you who are here for that specific reason, welcome. I've got a few more episodes featuring the PCG crew. So once you are done with today's episode, I hope that you'll check out episode 13 with Jay and Ruby about Wonderhole, episode 31 with Ray Najati about Our Hunt, episode 38 with M about Wickedness, and episode 39 with one of their artists, Aster. Jeez, that makes this the fifth Possum Creek interview I've done. Don't worry, there will definitely be more. Anyways, for today's guests, I am very happy to bring you Lily J. Harris and Mercedes Acosta, two of the talented writers from the upcoming So Close to Launch game, Yazeba's Bed and Breakfast. I am really excited about this game, and it was an absolute delight to chat with Lily and Mercedes about their involvement with its development. They both come from a comics background, so it was really cool to hear about how they brought those skills into this very unique TTRPG. Also, they're pretty badass in general, so just know that you are about to hear from some delightful people. The game launches in a few days on March 22nd on Indiegogo. I've got links to it down in the show notes. I 100% recommend you check it out. I'm also gonna shout out another podcast now. Jeff Stormer hosts the incredible podcast Party of One Pod, and he was the host of a kind of special limited edition run of some Yazeba's one shots. So every episode is featuring a different cast of people playing the same characters. And as of the time of me recording this, only one episode is out so far. I believe that episode two should be dropping the same day that this episode drops. Y'all, they're short. But they are hysterical and amazing, and they help you get a really good feel for how this game is going to go. I'm just obviously a fan of Possum Creek and Jay and Ruby and all that they're doing with their team. So I, yeah, I'm excited for this game, and I think y'all should check it out. And also, Jeff does an amazing job leading this group, so it's just, it's a good time. It's a really good time. Anyways, if this is your first time tuning in to Roleplay Grow, Hello! This podcast is a part of Lightheart Adventures, which is a small company that I co-founded with my husband. We also do blogs, one-shots, and maps that you'll find over on our website, lightheartadventures.com. If you'd like to support the show, you can find me on Patreon at RoleplayGrow and Twitter at either KetraRPG or on the business account at LightheartADV. Another way you can support the show is by checking out our affiliate links, like the creator behind some of our favorite dice. Dice Envy. They offer gorgeous dice in a variety of materials, including wood, metal, stone, and resin. Go to lightheartadventures.com slash our favorite trinkets to learn more about these dice and some more of our favorite things. That is all for now, so I hope you enjoy this conversation with Lily and Mercedes. Today, we are chatting with two of the wonderful writers behind Possum Creek Games' upcoming Yazeba's Bed and Breakfast, Mercedes Acosta and Lily J. Harris. Hello, how are y'all doing today? I'm good. Doing well, thanks. <laughs> Glad to hear it. 
Well, to start things off, I would love to hear from you both a little bit about who you are and how you got into gaming. Lily, can we start with you? Yeah. Okay. So my name is Lily. I am a cartoonist. I'm a writer. I'm an illustrator. And uh, let's see, how did I get into gaming? Mercedes actually was the one that (laughs) brought me along into uh, Possum Creek games. I hadn't really done anything in the TTRPG community before. I've mainly just like written my own comics, drawn my own comics, things like that. And so this is the first time I've done like a non-visual story element outside of cartooning in general. So that's my very quick intro about all this. Okay, that sounds like an awesome story that we're going to dig into in a minute. (laughs) Mercedes, what about you? Ask me how the ancestors got Lily on the Yazima's team. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll talk about that later. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's Lily and I's joke back and forth. Mm -hmm. But I, my name is Mercedes Acosta. I am also a cartoonist. I'm also a street medic and a gardener for sustainability in my spare time. I started in tabletop gaming from a fairly young age, you know, with Dungeons and Dragons, Call of Cthulhu, like very, you know, bog standard stuff that, you know, most people know about. And I worked a lot with kids and ran games for kids because it it was just a lot of fun. They're not really fettered by the constraints that adults seem to have, even when playing fantasy games. And from there, for me personally, D&D and Call of Cthulhu, they left something lacking, so I got into indie games and created two of my own. And they're titled What Happened and Los Arboles. They're both horror games, ironically. And Jay pulled me for Yezevas, and that's why I'm here now. Well, I'm sure there's a bit more to it than that. <laughs> but, man, it sounds like you both have such really interesting lives, and I kind of want to ask about all of it, but I'm supposed to be focused because, meh. Ask about it. <laughs> I don't, if you if pressured, I could really... I'm sure I could find a way to talk about how, like, no, I couldn't. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> I was going to be like, I can find a way to relate, like, how me being a street medic informs my work in Yazeva's, but it doesn't. It doesn't. So I would just be lying. <laughs> okay, but I really do want to know, how did you become a street medic? Oh, so I am, I'm Wilderness EMT and Wilderness First Aid Certified, and I am... Um, basically go to like water protection sites and protests and such and provide on-site medical first response support to people who, you know, might be injured by the state. I also do work with homeless folks because a lot of times they can't or don't want to go to hospitals and doctors. Understandably, they're often not treated well there. And I I just kind of fell into it because I took a wilderness first aid class and then a wilderness first responder class. Then I got this wilderness ENT certification and street medics during 2020 were in great demand. And there were a lot of, there were a lot of people who didn't have any training putting the red cross on their arm and running out there with gallons of milk. And I was just like, (laughs) Mm. why are you doing that? Mm. Like you just, you shouldn't pour milk in people's eyes when they've been tear gas because it can cause infection Mm. um, among other reasons. Uh, but like being a healer has always been something that I like, but I don't really like Western medical industrial complex. So I went for cartoons instead. And now <laughs> being a, a street doc is just my side gig that doesn't pay. Mm-hmm. Gosh, that is really cool. And I'm sure really hard. Yeah. I call it a side gig. Like it, 
it doesn't pay. All it does is take, but that's okay mm-hmm. because it's, it's worthwhile work. Yeah, definitely. Well, so y'all do a lot. You're working on writing, you're working on your art, you're working on all of the other cool stuff that you just mentioned. So how did it start? Like, how was the, what was the transition from being a player of tabletop games into creating artwork and content for them? I will say, I'll jump in and say, like, I think what's been a really beneficial skill to have is years and years of, like, pros (laughs) role-playing. Like, uh, I don't even know the terminology for it, but, like, paragraph writing role-play that I would do with, like, uh, writing partners. Like, collaborative writing, I guess. And so even though I've not sat down and done, like, a traditional, like, D&D type of play session before, I think just having that collaborative aspect to play was really beneficial with all of this. Yeah, and being able to like bounce back and forth and like share ideas and tweak certain things and get into the headspace of different characters. That was really good. Yeah, I agree with Lily. I think the fact that we're both cartoonists helps out too, because we are used to visualizing in our head to some degree the way a story is told. And in tabletop roleplay games, you know, sometimes you have your little books and your figurines and stuff but you still do a lot of the mental work of visualizing. And we were able to really write and design the game in a way that played to people's senses best, as opposed to just being like, okay, all the emotional labor is on you to tell the story. Yeah. When did you both get into being cartoonists? Ooh, (laughs) Ooh, we got to go back, back. I mean, like I have like (laughs) the technical answer, which is like, I went off to study cartooning in 2019 and then I have the more realistic answer, which is like, there is video footage of me at four years old drawing little baby things um, (laughs) and correcting my parents about like, no, this is a dog. Why can't you see it's a dog that I did not a scribble. (laughs) So I think I've just always been drawn to like sequential art and storytelling visually, but I technically quote unquote, took it professionally <laughs> like maybe two two and a half years ago i read calvin and Hobbes as a kid and it was Hell all yeah it was all over mm-hmm. from there i was like i knew what i wanted to calvin and Hobbes, hellboy and basically any mobius comic or like the the holy trinity of things that were like i want to do this when i'm older and I, I do have a graphic novel coming out in 2024. It you, was better 2020. Plug that. you better plug yeah, that. Yeah, Cavalry Macabre. <laughs> plug, plug, plug. It's a graphic novel for middle re- middle grade readers. Um, and much like Yazeba's, actually, it, it, when I when I sit down and think about them, it's a lot. It's really funny. Both Yazeba's and Cabaret have these themes of found family and figuring out who you are and your place in the world and and what you're doing and where you belong interwoven throughout them and both have this like cast of kooky wacky characters Mm -hmm. um, of all shapes and sizes and different backgrounds and it's it's really cool how much they are like each other and instead of a bed and breakfast it's about a cabaret run by this weird old witch lady who um has a bunch of like found family monster friends around her (laughs) but it was it was just i was like damn i was thinking about it the other day i was like oh my god these are both like found family finding personhood stories this Mm. is this is my kryptonite (sighs) that sounds really interesting and now 2024 feels really far away but i'm definitely gonna look out for that (laughs) yeah it feels far away too but it's gonna be with the deadlines it's gonna be there in five seconds Mm. Oh, I'm I'm sure. 
Okay, well, I want to jump into, you know, we've mentioned the word a couple of times now, but Joseba's bed and breakfast. So for any of our listeners who have not yet heard of this game, I'm calling you out because that means you haven't been listening to several episodes that I've had now. (laughs) (laughs) Please, can you all give us an overview of what this game is and why is it so unique? For those of you who don't know already, Yazeba's Bed and Breakfast is a tabletop roleplay game coming from Possum Creek Games. It's about a bed and breakfast deep in the woods owned by a grouchy, grumpy witch named Yazeba. Unlike a lot of roleplay games that are coming out now, Yazeba's actually has a pre-existing cast of characters that you select from and fill up their tracks and help them with their goals or hinder them when you do whoopsies. There's characters like Amelie, who I'm particularly fond of, an overworked robotic housekeeper, Parrish, the cook, who happens to be a frog, or Yazeba herself, the titular witch in charge of the B&B, Sal, the porter who's just looking to enjoy life, and Gertrude, our sweet little teen runaway (laughs) who lives on top of the dryer at the bed and breakfast. Themes like found family finding personhood, discovering your place in the world, and discovering what you're meant to be and do, and coming to terms with changes in your life are all found throughout Yazeba's, and we're really excited to launch in March of 2022 on Indiegogo. Yes, so uh, (laughs) this episode is coming out on March 19th, and so the launch date for this Indiegogo is just in a couple days, so Mm -hmm. yeah, there will definitely be a link to it in the show notes. So, yeah, y'all mentioned a little bit that, okay, Mercedes got involved with Jay and Possum Creek, and then Lily got dragged into this by Mercedes. <laughs> so, please, tell me this story. Yeah, so How did y'all join? I got a DM from Mercedes that was basically like, hey, uh, this gaming company is looking for a writer who specifically has not written for um, RPG in general. Like, they're specifically looking for a voice that, I guess, isn't bogged down with <laughs> years and years of, like, pre-medicated, like, uh, this is what it has to be in terms of, like, TCRPG or whatever. And Mercedes, I, I mean, we had known each other for, like, years, mutually, like, online and in different places. So you, I'm putting words in your mouth, but you knew of, like, my work, and I'm thankful enough that you were, like, this person can handle it. And so you passed my name along. I talked with everyone on Discord. And it was all chill from there. To quote Jay's review of Lily, Jay said, the vibes seem correct. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that. Jay DM'd me like, by the way, we're going with Lily. And I was like, yes. And they said, the vibes seem correct. And I was like, yes. (laughs) Oh, I forgot about that. I mean, the thing is, I had no idea when I reached, when I DM'd to Lily, I was like, this might be a long shot. I had no idea that, if, if Lily was even going to be interested in this. And Jay was indeed looking for perspective outside of people who were, you know, so baked into tabletop roleplay games. So I DM'd Lily and Lily was just immediately enthusiastic about it. I, I just had this feeling that, oh, hey, maybe I should reach out to Lily. Um, and so we joked that like, I, I am spiritual. I'm not going to start preaching on this podcast, but like I am spiritual. And we joked that like it was the ancestors telling me to get Lily in the project. Mm. Yeah. So how did you yourself get involved, Mercedes? 
So Jay DM'd me like, hey, are you interested? And I said yes immediately because <laughs> Jay gave me the elevator pitch and I was just like, yes, this is my, this is the kind of, this is the meat I love to eat. The found family, <laughs> the finding personhood. That's the stuff I love. Hmm. How long ago, like how, or I guess how far into the process did you two join? I actually did not know this until recently. I went back on Discord and I was like, oh, I think like, February 12th, like mid-February is when I made like my Discord greeting. So it's been a year. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I got involved in like early January 2021. So it's been over a, um, yeah, over a year. And then they were looking for another writer. And I was like, what about Lily? And you weren't the only person I recommended because I did put out feelers in my Mm. other spaces because I was like, we need to fill this team up with more melanin. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you you were the one where the vibes and Jay's words, the vibes seems correct. Oh, that's great. <laughs> this is when everyone on this podcast learns I love to hear nice things about myself, and I just beam. <laughs> <laughs> that's so earth sign. Really, I'm just like, oh my god, really? Stop. What else did you say? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I love this so much. Okay, so I know that this has been a massive project. Like, I've heard that Gazebo's got started, and then everyone was like, I need a break. And then Jay wrote a whole other game, and then kickstarted that, and then came back to Gazebo's. But yeah, I know it's, it's been a long time coming, and y'all have been involved for a year and about to kickstart. So, what I would love to know is, like, what's the division of the writing labor? Like, what are y'all working on specifically, and how did this I don't know, assignment decision uh, come to be? Again, I had to be reminded of this. So I opened up my, do you, I mean, I pronounce it Scrivener, Scrivener. It's basically like a writing app. And I would say like the percentage of character writing to chapter writing was like 25% to 75%. The majority of what I feel like I did was specific chapter writing, which is like taking already the um, predetermined characters and like putting them in situations based on like the mood and everything. But there were a couple of guests that I made or like helped to really flesh out. One of them being Vera, Vera Odedai, which is fun. But I think yeah, the majority of it was making chapters uh, for Yuzevas. So for any of our listeners that haven't had a chance to look at the play test in Kit, mm. we'd love to know a bit more about just maybe your process for how you put the pre-made characters into the chapters and what the how the guests differ cool also thank you for like asking me to delve in i feel like like mercedes said i'm an earth sign and i don't realize that i just naturally talk succinctly i'm like yeah i did this thing <laughs> it's like tell us about the thing please uh so let me let me bring up a chapter real quick so there is specifically a chapter let's just say like hypothetically about like two characters going to a live show together like a hardcore show in their neighborhood um, and so what has happened, at least what I've experienced, is uh, maybe Jay or M brings like a theme or a topic like, oh, like we want so-and-so to kind of like experience this or like have the players experience this. And they might suggest like a couple of characters in mind. And so Mercedes, I don't know if this is similar to you, but I would like pick two characters or so that I would want to have this interaction and then just write all of what happens But the interesting thing about the chapter that differs from like my regular collaborative writing experience is that you are not meant to tie it up. Like it's purposely meant to stop so that the players can continue on. So you kind of leave off on an ellipses 
so that the players themselves can figure out what these characters do. Would you say that that was like a challenge to leave it open-ended and not wrap it up? No, because a lot of my own work naturally leaves off on a cliffhanger. <laughs> I think <laughs> I personally find it harder writing to like have a definitive conclusion. So I was like, oh, this is great. This is how I wrote everything. Cool. I feel like we should we should plug. So Lily has I knew it. a published. I knew it. I knew you were going to do this. <laughs> Lily has a published graphic novel entitled Wilderness that explores themes of found family and trauma through a magical realism lens involving werewolves in a rural town. And it's so good. And reading that was one of the reasons why, like, I thought that Lily might be good for this project because for me personally, there were times where it was actually hard for me to just leave off the, because I was like, Oh, Amelie's journey of figuring out personhood. I want her to come out as binary and a girl. And (laughs) we want players to come to that conclusion on their own. It's heavily implied by the fiction and chap late stage chapters that Amelie shows up in, but we want people to come to that conclusion on their own or the way someone's playing Amelie, Amelie might come out as, binary man or Mm -hmm. whatever and I thought immediately when Jay explained to me how Yazebas worked and the way that chapter and that the the fiction and the chapters and then letting the true journey and the meat of characterization happen in the player's experience I was like oh Lily's gonna eat this up and they did thank you seriously also Wilderness is a free pdf is on itch.io that's it. That's the only plug that yeah. I'll get. Wait, where can we pay money for it? Uh, fine. Can you pay you can, money on Itch.io too? You can. I mean, I think you can pledge like however much you want. Which yeah, is okay. good. As long as people can pay you. Yeah, and if you want like the actual physical copy, there are some floating around in comic shops, but reliably, I think there's only eight more left on Radiator Comics uh, in like Miami, Florida. And like you can buy that online, Radiator Comics. But yeah, until I do a third print run, stares directly into the screen for the CIA agent listening to me to give me money, then it's just <laughs> going to be a PDF for a while. <laughs> yeah, they might as well pay for the free entertainment. <laughs> okay, I am going to just completely sideline now. Uh, Lily, do you live in Miami? No, I have family in Miami. But uh, no, I live in <gasps> okay. Maryland. Yeah. Okay. How did you get your comic in Miami? Oh, no, it's a really good question. So Wilderness actually existed as like a mini comic prologue first. And so that prologue, I believe in like early 2021, uh, MICE mini grant, I think MICE stands for like Massachusetts Independent Comics Expo. Um, And so I got a hundred bucks, which I was thankful for, which led me to print more of the prologue and send it off to people. Um, But I think when you win a mini grant from MICE, you have the option of selling your comic that one into different like comics distributors specifically radiator uh and so yeah i sold a log through radiator based on that and then the kahuna of wilderness came out and i was like hey neil who runs radiator would you like this and then neil's like how did you get into my home and also yes <laughs> <laughs> so it was really cool it was really great neil is wonderful oh that is super cool <laughs> sorry for the sideline i grew up in florida not that i'm proud of that fact anymore but oh, uh, you're good a state it's is gonna a be state. like Ooh, connection i don't want to hear any <laughs> florida slander okay i hate it here <laughs> so you do live in florida i i do i live in florida i live in i live in the shadow realm of florida like the tampa bay area <laughs> okay i grew up in tallahassee i was there for 19 years mm. i spent a lot of time in tampa i have family in tampa 
uh, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, Mercedes, I would love to hear from you. Are you doing kind of similar work as Lily with the chapter writing and taking the predetermined characters, putting them in chapters, or are you working on a different part of it? So, yeah, I have dabbled into some of the game mechanics of Yes, Ava's. Most notably, I did all of the... Well, there's a couple chapters I did all of the mechanics for, but I did all of the mechanics for The Witch's Old Hostel, which is a late-stage chapter that is heartbreaking. Uh, We'll Mm. put it that way. It's probably one of the most emotionally Mm. charged chapters in the books. I don't know if that's arrogant to say that or not. No, I don't think so. It's it's pretty... Because... The implications behind Yuzeba's bed and breakfast is that Yuzeba made a deal with a fairy to create the bed and breakfast after her old hostel burned down and was destroyed in fire and fang. And she, in order to do this, to have a house in the woods where she would be safe forever, she sold her heart. And when we go to the witch's old hostel in this chapter... It's basically walking through someone's heartbreak and having to like gamify that was kind of hard because it was, it, it was heartbreaking. And most people in the Yazeba's resident list are coded or explicitly trans. So it's kind of as, as like a trans person writing that I was kind of like, Oh, because it, it's never explicitly stated and it's just more anal- more of an analogy than an actual thing, but it is coded that it was a hate crime that burned down her all-witch trans hostel. And for trans people everywhere, like knowing that like even if you, you have a house, it might not be safe if somebody knows who and what you are and takes issue with it. And so writing that chapter was really hard and turning it into game mechanics that would hit emotionally was both hard and satisfying work. I do most of the chapters fictions, um, The Witch's Old Hostel, The Perfect Pumpkin, and um, a couple other chapters are the ones I did mechanics for. And we had it all organized in the Discord, so we would basically, we were given a lot of freedom, like choose chapters that you want, come up with a concept for a chapter that you want. I think Lily came up with the the Sal and Amelie start a band one. <laughs> I think so. Chapter. It's been so long, but I think that Yes, I think think you just said that. You were like, wouldn't it be cool if Sal and Amelie started a band? And we were all, we all responded, yes, yes, (laughs) yes. (laughs) Um, And it's really cute because Sal's like, it might be fun. And Amelie's like, I don't, I don't know what the hell that is. (laughs) F is for friends. Sal's like, F is for friends who do stuff together. And Amelie (laughs) said, U is for understanding directives. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Hey, entrepreneurs, I love introducing you to new creators every episode, but I could really use your support. I would love to invite you to join our Patreon page, where you'll gain access to behind the scenes content, add your questions to upcoming interviews, and you could even receive a shout out on our site in an upcoming episode. To learn more, go to lightheartadventures.com RPG. And now back to the show. Yeah, I would love to dig into your process a bit then on how you developed the mechanics for the hostel and the other ones that you mentioned. So I think it's been revealed because I know Jay has talked about it pretty extensively on Twitter, but Yazebas has a mechanic for each chapter. There are four different chapter moods, pensive, frantic, relaxed, and eerie. And 
each mood has a different set of rules that apply to it. So frantic, you have these chaos coins and you have to flip the coins. And if even one of them is tails, you screwed. Um, not really you screwed, but you have to do, you have to do a whoopsie, which is there are bingos and whoopsies and bingos are quote unquote good moves and whoopsies are quote unquote bad moves, but they're not really good or bad because either way it serves to develop the story, to develop the character as you personally, the player are building the character and it allows you to fill up a track either way. If you want to put them, put it on the track. The Witch's Old Hostel is in the eerie mood, so it means that we have the deck of cards, and certain cards are omens. So basically, people, you explore the ruins and deal out the deck of cards face down into the hostel's different rooms. So, you know, the lobby, the library, the greenhouse, the kitchen, etc. And when you flip a card, if it's an omen, you get a cross condition. And if it's not an omen, you don't get a cross condition. And if it's, if it's a certain type of omen, you can sometimes fix other cross conditions. But if you have, if, if anyone gets triple crossed, if anyone has three or more crossed conditions, you all have to leave immediately. So it's basically the dungeon crawl chapter of the game. And I was really excited. I was like, I didn't expect to be able to put a dungeon crawl gate into this game, but I did. That sounds really interesting. Whose idea was it to have these moods kind of influence the way that gameplay would go? It was Jay's probably. Jay or M. <laughs> okay. mm-hmm. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, because they're the, they're the two that started working on the game and then paused, put it aside to, I think, release Wander Home and then came back mm-hmm. to it 10 times stronger than ever. Mm. Yeah. Is there anything that you, I don't know, any kind of observations or challenges that you had in having to think of like this mood when you were developing the specific mechanics? So for this one, it was just because it is a late stage chapter, it's longer because the earlier chapters have shorter fiction snippets in front of them. And then the later chapters have really long fiction and the, yes. even the mechanics were getting long. And I was sitting there looking, I was, I was texting to Em. I'm like, Em, these mechanics are so long. And she was like, it's fine. It's a late chapter, which it, it's cool. But it, it definitely was kind of, so the, the Jack, King, Queen, and Ace, and the Aces are Omens, were the, uh, the ones that would have room-specific stuff. And then there were the rest of the decks would be the debris and you would sift through the debris. And it was kind of hard after a while because it was like at like six rooms. I had to do 16 different prompts for each room. Mm. And after a while, it it was like I said, it was hard, but satisfying work. But I really got into my head thinking about this. Like, this is where a bunch of cool trans witches lived and were saved before they were violently attacked by monsters. Um, and it's heavily implied that many of these people died in this attack. And mm. it is, it started being kind of hard after a while, if I'm being honest. Like, just knowing that, like, and, and as someone who has been visibly trans, has been visibly gender nonconforming, knowing that, like, your safety hinges on whether or not someone is willing to make their problem with you your problem, it was kind of hard. And I want to... I want to read out an example one. Hopefully this isn't too exclusive for Jay because she wanted me to limit exclusive content to the Possum Creek's Patreon Discord. But one, the King of Hearts in the study. 
One of the props reads for the King of Hearts, an old wheelchair sits on its side, one wheel full of bent spokes and a handle completely broken. The seat sags and the lovingly painted front wheels are chipped. You see glyphs and sigils all along it. How is it enchanted? And then the next card is the Ace of Hearts and it actually has the same prompt a little bit different. An old wheelchair sits on its side, one wheel full of bent spokes and a handle completely broken. The seat sags and the lovingly painted front wheels are chipped. The cloth backing of the chair is stained dark. Whoever revealed this card places it on their character sheet. And that's a cross condition. Um, and I, I had this whole spreadsheet of notes that will never make its way into the book of like, what did the King of Hearts represent? What did the Ace of Spades represent? Like the King of Clubs represented a necromancer witch. The King of Hearts represented an elderly witch and like the elderly witch died in the study and the necromancer died in the kitchen and blah, blah, blah. And like all this like really sad backstory that is just ever so slightly hinted at and what's going to make it into the book. I don't know if anyone is ready for the emotional roller coaster this game is going to be. Yeah, it's like, it's like, oh, a birthday for Gertrude. That's so cute. That's so sweet. Oh, ha ha. Amelie and Sal start a band. Oh, ha ha. Let's go walk through someone's heartbreak. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Let's go walk through the remains of, of what is basically an analogy for a hate crime. Like, it, mm. it, it was so... And, and to me, that's one of the things that's cool about Yazebas is it, it's it's not limiting itself to just the twee and the funny and the hee hee ha ha. This is so cute. There, there, especially a lot of the pensive and a lot of the eerie chapters have a lot of thought provoking gameplay baked into them. Yeah. So a question for both of you, and I guess I'll start with Lily first, but. We've talked a bit about your individual contributions and kind of how you've taken things and fleshed them out and really built them into what sounds like amazing content. But with this being a team writing project, what has kind of the process been for all of it? Like, I mean, you can answer this in whatever way I guess makes the most sense to you, Mm -hmm. but from when you came in to what you've been working on through playtesting, through just before this launch, like what has it been like to work on this team and what kind of steps have you taken along the way? Yeah. Like, like I said in the beginning, it really harkens back for me to collaborative writing. And so I would finish a chapter and then I would place it in the doc. I let everyone on discord know like, Hey, the chapter's up, uh, get some eyes on it. Let me know what you think. And of course there's like, constructive feedback and everything but typically it's just filled with excitement like oh this looks great (laughs) and like everyone being really like really excited about it so yeah it it never for me felt like I was creating in a vacuum it always felt like at a moment's notice even if it was unfinished I could drop a prompt I was working on halfway through and get some insight onto it so it was it was a lot of fun no that sounds really cool and like really I don't know, it's such a unique experience with that you do get to be so collaborative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also like I think a lot of and Mercedes knows, like so much of cartooning and comics making is just like being in some kind of like Phantom of the Opera esque hunch over an organ, like nobody disturb me or look at me. And so it just felt so good to be able to be creative and have like immediate feedback and like share with everyone. Like look like even now, like Mercedes and I like uh outside of writing, just like 
for fun and leisure, just like send fan art of the characters to each other and just giggle in our respective homes. I drew something really horrible of like <laughs> Amelie's like cleaning and Sal's in the background and she's playing Enya, which is one of my go-to. Enya and Whitney Houston are like my two go-to musical artists for while I'm cleaning. Anyone who's listened to Enya, she's most well known, I think, for the only time song where it's like, who can say what? Like it's very new age and calming and zen and in the background, Salah's like, Amelie, can you play literally anything else? And the next image is her blasting Lil John's to the window, whatever to the wall. <laughs> like, like to the window, to the wall, and like blasting it so loud that it's shaking the windows and, and her and Sal <laughs> and everybody else. And I, I was like passive aggressively, like, okay, I can play anything else. <laughs> and uh, uh, that was greatly amusing to me. Um, and like these little character interactions between these various characters, like Amelie's passive ag- aggressive behavior at Sal. It's it's so good. And I, I think that's the mark of like how powerful these pre-created characters are. Because I, I know I've had characters that I've created for campaigns and I was like, I don't care about this person. And now I'm like, I would kill and die for this little <laughs> teen runaway Gertrude or this overworked robot. Amazing. Yeah, Mercedes. How has the kind of team writing development process been for you? Is anything different about how you tackle your processes? It's been similar to what Lily described. I'll just I'll just second the fact that it's great to drop something in the writer general channel of the Discord, the work Discord, and have everyone be like, oh, it. like it's this it's so validating. Mm-hmm. How has the play testing process been for you? Have like, have y'all been really involved in it? Has it changed anything specific to what y'all had written yourselves? I've been watching on the periphery. I've not like actually participated in play yet, but I've seen a couple of them on Twitch specifically. And I don't know, like I was already like, this is a fully realized concept. I love these characters. I'm very proud of this. But being able to see people outside of the team play it, I was like, oh. Oh, this is real. <laughs> this is a real thing. Right. It was it was really, really beautiful. And like I said, I didn't like come from really like a strict TTRPG background. And so I hadn't really seen anyone play a game with that much mirth before, is like the best way I can say it. The experiences I've had was very, very short, but I would just like sit in on a friend who was playing like a, a three hour campaign of D and D and I was like, everyone here is really serious about this <laughs> it's really <laughs> look very pensive but no it's it's there was something so jovial about it like granted it was like a very lighthearted chapter i think it was um a birthday for gertrude but yeah it's just everyone immediately got into character and it was really wonderful to be able to see yeah i'm gonna say something i usually hate listening to actual plays and mm. I, i'm not gonna name the show because I don't feel like being doxxed by 18-year-olds on Twitter. <laughs> but there's like an actual play show that everyone just goes gaga over. And I watched two episodes with my roommates when I lived in Georgia. And I was like, damn, bitch, y'all live like this? <laughs> that was my literal reaction. Like, y'all watch this? Yeah. Y'all find enjoyment for this? And so I, I remember when hearing that like people were linking the actual play from... Um, Carrie and Comfort Studios, mm-hmm. I was like, ah, oh, Christ, I don't want to listen to this. I don't want to listen to no actual play. And then I started listening to it, and I couldn't stop. I was like, yes! Yes! yes. And I, I, <laughs> like, I think part of it was the fact, obviously, that this is something that 
I helped create. So there was that joy in seeing other people take joy in it. But also, I just think Yezebas really lends itself well to a much more jovial play session than like really really heavy system like like in Yezebas is pretty crunchy in my opinion like my opinion my idea of no crunch is like you have one mechanic and that's it and you better stop and D&D which has like 37 different types of dice and bleep blah blue (laughs) is so heavy that I can see why people are intimidated by it and that's another thing that Jay has been championing about Yezebas that I really love is that it's easy to sit down and get a game started in like 10 minutes or less. And that's one of the things too that I think makes it so accessible and easy to people. Mm-hmm. I am a part of the playtester server. Basically what I've just done is I do I don't look at most of the other parts of the server just because I'm in so many work servers right now, but I do look through the feedback section. And if I see feedback that has an actionable response, like someone might say, oh, I was unsure where to put this guest. And I'm like, okay, let's recommend certain guests for certain chapters because like, you know, rag and bones in a pensive chapter is kind of weird. Um, mm. Although late stage chapters, I'm sure people could make it work. But in the beginning, when people aren't as familiar with the game, they might need help. Like, oh, should I play rag and bones for this pensive chapter? Or should I play a gate, a gate adventuring who has a much better move set and personality suited to a pensive chapter? But other than that, I haven't really been as involved in the playtest. But I, I will say that, like, I listened to that thing this morning while I was cleaning the house Mm -hmm. and I was going crazy. And thank you for like actually name dropping who that was because that was the exact (laughs) Twitch stream I was watching. It was amazing. Yeah, I I watched it and I was like, I don't want to watch an actual play. I don't like watching actual Mm -hmm. plays. It's like, no, I just don't like watching D&D actual plays Mm. because they're boring. (laughs) In my (laughs) humble opinion, if you like D&D actual plays, that's fine. I'm not going to kick down your door and call you a casual or whatever. I'll just say on the, my personal opinion on actual plays is that it just took me a very long time to find ones that I liked. I used to be like, no, I hate them. Sorry for anyone listening. I don't hate them in general anymore. I just used to. And then I realized like, no, I guess I just hadn't found my style yet. And now I've got a couple, but even still, it's only a couple that I keep up with regularly. So I get it. They're not for everyone. And even then like you may only like a couple and that's fine. You may like none. That's also cool. There's a lot of other things happening in this <laughs> industry. <laughs> but no, I mean, that's awesome that y'all both were able to find one of your game that you liked. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's super fun. Yeah. So I want to have a time now to explore some questions that I actually like to ask in every interview, which y'all have been working on this game and working with this team for a little over a year now. And I would love to know what has been the most challenging part. Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> <We're just laughs> blanket silence. Oh man, it was super <laughs> easy because we're awesome. <laughs> Can I say, like, honestly, that sounds like a joke. And again, this is not coming from an egotistical place, but like, as people who have made comics, just writing, kind of great. Like, I think, Mercedes, when you offered this up, I, I, when was this? It had to have been right before I ended thesis year. So I was like just wrapping up Wilderness and I was like, oh, I can just like make a story and I don't have to draw it or thumb it or ink it. I can just like write and that's it. I could do that. 
I don't know <laughs> if many people listening understand that comics is an incredibly physical labor. It, it's especially if you write and draw the comics. Comics is an incredibly physical labor. There's a lot of renditions. There's a lot of a lot of people underestimate just how long it takes to draw a comic. And so just being able to write was actually it was kind of like oh mm-hmm. it was such a relief. I'm opening our Twitter DM so I can um, call you out right now. But yeah, yeah, this was in Jan thir- January 30th of 2021, and you said between you, me, and God that you you had been thinking about having one foot out of the door <laughs> read for a me while. yeah well, <laughs> branching into writing solely would be like you were wondering how that would be Mood. um i stand by that i stand by that a year later <laughs> and, and it, it was just it was funny because it's like i was gonna reach out to you and i was like well i, I don't know if lily would be interested in this. And I was like, let me do it just in case. They just, I got a feeling that they might like this. Mm-hmm. And it was, I was correct. The feeling was correct. You were, yeah. Jay hired him and it has been like, everything has been so wonderful since then. Um, yes. So Jay, Lily and I like to joke that Jay allows my ancestors to make financial and business decisions for <laughs> her. <laughs> I think for me, it, it, one of the things that was a little difficult a couple times, and, and this is just more because I get confused super easily when it comes to mechanics, um, is just remembering mechanics from different chapters. Because I was sitting there trying to write the the mechanics for Perfect Pumpkin, and I was like, what the hell is all this? Like, I got it. And I had to, like, constantly check against other ones. But other than that, it was it was really fun being provided with a template of existing characters and being able to build on them and really refine them has just been, it's been fun. So it has been work, but it's fun work. Yeah. The little anti-capitalist in me like doesn't like saying that. That's real. I think if I had to think of a struggle or I think there was like a struggle a little bit, it was to like, I have a specific character or a couple of specific characters where it's just, I fit right in. I know how to write this character. This is great. But I guess a character like Yazebus was a bit difficult for me. Like really getting into someone who was like crotchety for a reason, if that makes sense. <laughs> like purposely crotchety was difficult. So I guess just like knowing that there are certain characters that I naturally gravitate to writing, like Hey Kid, I love boisterously obnoxious children. Uh, but having to temper certain ones like Parish and everything like that, I guess just like getting into different character styles. All of the points that y'all just made make a lot of sense. And sorry to like throw out such a stumper. (laughs) No, it's all good. But let's flip it around. Maybe hopefully this one will be a little bit easier. So instead, when you look back over the last year, what would you say has been the most rewarding part of working on this? Honestly, for me, I think it's just being able to make these characters incredibly like go at it with a very in-depth way. This is not, <laughs> this is a word salad, but I guess like uh, I was already introduced to the main resident. So when I came out of the project, Jay had already told me like who Gertrude was, Amelie, everyone who was a main resident. And so I think it was just being able to really get in depth with them and make them more than like surface level. This person's neurotic or this person is unsure or this person is like kind of influenced on the self and all that. Uh, hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Okay. <laughs> 
So for me, this is another hard question because like I, literally every time I drop a chapter or a screenshot or something in the writer's chat in the Discord and everyone goes like, <laughs> I like I, 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 I like I feel this dopamine hit. I think releasing it to the public and seeing people like and I'm gonna be narcissistic for a second, but like seeing people gravitate towards Amelie has been so exquisite and heartwarming because Amelie is a very personal character. You know, her her goals and her struggles are very closely aligned to my goals and struggles as someone who is a caretaker, as someone who is trans feminine, as someone who has Seeing as many people gravitate to Amelie has been really rewarding because Amelie is such an intensely personal character or her struggles with struggling with OCD and these ideas of perfection and personhood and how she plays into all of that. So seeing other people see a part of Amelie that, that they really gravitate towards and really enjoy has been just so rewarding, especially too, because a lot of Amelie's traits that I love are traits that I hate about myself. Like her rigid inflexibility is so humorous and funny. And it's something I hate about myself. The way she is like obsessed with the idea of contamination and uncleanliness and messiness is something I hate about myself because it makes me absolutely insane. But for her, it's something that's like, it's very serviceable in the B&B. Someone who doesn't quite know where she fits in the world yet it's something that I, that's like, I, I hate about myself, but for Amelie, I love it. And loving Amelie and seeing other people love Amelie makes me feel kind of like loving myself and other people loving me. So mm. that's been one of the best parts of, of my specific contribution as the person who really helps develop Amelie's story. Mm. You know, I know we've got a while, but can I just say, I cannot wait to get the, this like full physical book in my hands. For real. I honestly check every single day the backer kit link so I can see how many days the countdown. <laughs> if March 22nd could just judge Judy Jeff tapping her wrist. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm about to go stupid with this merch, too. <laughs> like- okay, well, I know that we need to go ahead and wrap up, and I wish that I had more time to chat with you both, honestly, about all of your other stuff. So I guess for just the... The quick highlights, I would love to know, you know, if there's any other upcoming projects that you're excited about that you're working on or goals that you're working towards and, or are you just full on gazebas, gazebas and just not thinking about anything else, whichever one it is. I'd just love to hear about it. Yeah. So full disclosure, I work full time at a library. And so I've always wanted like stable income, preferably not about art so that I could save that. So I think the majority of my time is honestly working at the library, but for fun, (laughs) I am interested in like, I have more stories brewing and I am writing them and I am on the fence about getting into publishing, like comics publishing. There are just a lot of horror stories around that, that I know from personally, but I am interested in writing more stories and making more, whether they be comics or not. So I've got some stuff happening for fun. Wilderness 2.0 win. (laughs) I can't say anything on mic, but like I had, you know, I've been working on pages. I didn't want to like, I didn't want to like pressure it because I don't want it to be something that you have to do, but I loved Wilderness. And if there was a wild, like more to Wilderness, I will also love that. Thank you. I've been 
background stuff on the slide, but like it's probably happening. I can't say definitively what's going to happen, but it's something. It's it's a lot of happenings in this sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be watching, waiting. <laughs> well, for me, I'm I'm actually working on two comics. I'm obviously working on my debut graphic novel, Cabaret Macabre, and I'm also part of a anthology with Candlewick. I don't know if it's been announced yet, mm. so. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about the official name yet, so I won't, but it is about mental health in teenagers, and I'm excited for that. I'm, I think that's a topic that is well worth exploring. And um, also the art for it looks really good, and it's black and white. I don't have to that's color great. it. And that's it's so sexy to me that it has a color, because mm. um, flatting is such a demonic process. Yeah, but Yazebas is the only game type thing I'm working on. I, I am actually working on in my spare time, another horror tabletop game. Cause I have two existing horror tabletops um, and it's called the tape ends there and it's found footage tabletop horror. Mm. It might, I, I'm, I have a couple of people I'm pitching it to. I'm not going to publish it on my own. And if I can't find anyone to publish it, I just won't publish it, but I'm really excited for the comics. And obviously I'm so excited for Yozeba's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that leads me to the follow-up question on where can people find you two and all of your awesome comics and art and just all the projects that are coming up? So on Twitter, you can find me uh, forward slash big nose agenda, all one word. If you're wondering where that name came from, just take a look at my art and you'll start to see my agenda agenda <laughs> showing through. You can find me on Ko-Fi, Ko-Fi. I, I don't know how it's pronounced. I think they want it to be pronounced coffee, but they will never... <laughs> ever get that from me uh forward slash angelito a-n-g-e-l-i-t-o and that is where if you subscribe there a lot of that money goes to my harm reduction and homelessness outreach work and you can also occasionally see art from me i'm just really bad about updating art there and you can find my art website www.mercedesdoesart.com and I think that's it. You could. I'm on Instagram, but I don't, I haven't updated in like a year, or so I'm not on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah, and uh, you can find me at Lily, the letter J Harris, so Lily J Harris on Twitter and Instagram, and most recently itch.io. I think. Oh yeah, and my website is still www.lilyjharris. So I'm on all of that. I'm mostly uh, most active in terms of like just putting inane thoughts into the universe on Twitter. Um, but in terms of like an actual actual professional site for fun, it's Instagram. And then an actual professional site for boring reasons and to look for an agent, it's on my website. Oh, and also like Wilderness is on itch. But all of my comics beyond Wilderness are for free on my actual website. I forgot to plug my, um, my itchy. Oh, yeah, plug it. Uh, yeah, it's mcacosta.itch.io. Yeah, I forgot about that. God dang. Yeah, you can buy my scurry games there. (laughs) Awesome. I will include all of those links in the show notes. But Lily, Mercedes, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me today. This has been just a really cool conversation. I enjoy getting to know you all a bit better. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having us. It's been a pleasure. You just finished another episode of Role Play Grow. To check out the show notes from today's episode, you can go to lightheartadventures.com slash RPG. To keep up with every episode, please subscribe on your podcast player of choice 
And if you're enjoying the show, I would absolutely love if you would leave me a review and share this episode with your friends. Your review might even get featured on an upcoming episode. To follow me on Twitter, you can either find me at lightheartadv for our business account or at KetraRPG for tweets on gaming, my dog Bowser, and other random shenanigans. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time on Role Play Grow.